Somewhere in the smoky shadows of Esther's Longhouse, a dimly lit Nordic pub and cigar lounge, sit a boomer and a millennial across from each other. A boomer millennial divide. Conversations or debates ensue on generational differences and special topics with a special guest. They sample and rate a cigar and a whiskey as a bluish smoke swirls lazily. The rules are simple. The talk stops when the cigar gets snubbed. And one of the most beautiful leap year days in Florida, Seminole, Florida. This is the Boomer Millennial Divide, and I am the Boomer, Brett Henry. And I'm the Millennial, Drew Forbes. And with us, a special guest. We're going to stack the deck, Boomers against Millennial. My brother, Macy, from Colorado. Macy. Hey, good to be here. It is good to be here. So we are, uh, we're going to mix this up a little bit. Uh, um, we're just going to, Macy's just an expert on being a boomer. So I'm a, on a boomer. So we're going to talk about things. We've, we've all given birth to millennials. Yep. Three each. To be so, ashamed of yourselves. Yes. Yes. They ruined everything. So we know our parenting styles aren't that great, but. We're going to compare uh, parenting styles. We wreck them. So this is yeah, how this we is raise you guys. Truly a boomer millennial cast. Um, I think the uh, the topics we we generally pick a, a specific topic. Today the topic is boomers and millennials. I think we're going to explore um, kind of the different rifts between the different generations and uh, uh, kind of talk over the differences. You know between you know, what 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 possibly led to. Uh, baby boomers becoming what they are. What you know? What what led to millennials becoming what they are, um, and what what led to the perception you know of these two generations? I think we said the last cast, and I couldn't agree more. Um, it is a bit odd to paint millions of people with these broad brushes, <laughs> and yet you know a lot of these characteristics do hold true. So uh, let's let's explore those topics. We are, and uh, by the way, we've already lit our uh, lit our cigars. Yep. And again, from Dreams of Cuba, and I cannot remember the name of the shape of this one, but um, it's okay. We're is not Solomon. I know. Uh, yes, yeah. it is a Solomon. It's kind of a what would you call it? A a uh, a, a bulbous cigar it goes from from where you're cutting it to a wider area you're lighting it. It's got a couple different wrappers. Looks kind of fancy. Again, from Dreams of Cuba, up there in Tarpon Springs. Yep. And uh, I'd like to point out, I think I lit the wrong end, by the way. Uh, yes, 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 you, you did. did. I've never yeah. seen a wrapper on yes. that end that you... I, you might have yeah. to You might have to actually... Cut oh, if, it, if it doesn't draw... I think you, that's you why it wasn't to. drawing. I Here, okay. give him a cutter. Give him a cutter. Uh, right there, right well, next to you there. Macy, you know about these Dreams of Cuba cigars? Yes, I do. I do. Yeah, in fact, we just ordered $300 worth. Are you going to bring some home? Yeah, I am. Yeah, De- I mean, depending upon how much money he actually gives me for his share, <laughs> can't really beat the price of these bad boys. What are these? Five bucks a stick? Yeah, everything's about five dollars a stick. It's about 
eight dollars to ship them, no matter how many there are. And we are drinking today Quad Maze, yes. Alabama style whiskey. Um, so what is it? Is it, is it a bourbon? It, what type of whiskey it, is that? It is an Alabama style whiskey. So I don't know what that exactly means. Um, Assuming it means it's married to its sister. Or? It could. It could be actually. It's, um, Crafted using Clyde's special Alabama-style recipe for warm, smooth taste. 85 proof, Clyde Maze. So anyway. All great whiskey comes from Alabama. We're we're just going to talk in general terms. We're not even going to bother trying to rate things because, you know, we realized we're only talking with limited experience, you know, been drinking whiskey a long time, but I've never considered myself the type that can actually. We're just going to say we like it, or it's, yeah. Or just describe whatever. it like we did last week with the beers. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're not. Don't don't listen to this podcast thinking you're going to find. I sense a little bit of red current in the yeah. in the after. See, I think a little uh, little sponge cake in this uh, with a uh, yeah, very oaky yeah. aftertaste. Mm-hmm. You're never going to get that with us. Mm-hmm. We're like mm, that. That shit get that shit's good enough to get me drunk. Uh, I think I'll keep drinking that. That's 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 the type of uh, environment we're trying to foster at this case. Right. And the other thing we're gonna probably be changing out. I heard from, uh, got an email from somebody who's been listening to our cast. I don't know him. Really, his name uh, is One Hung Low. He emailed from quarantine in Wadat Province. He's, <laughs> He's been there for a long time. He's so bored. Wait, wait. How's he say? So bored. Listen to all six you podcasts. So I think he means like all six mm-hmm. of the podcasts. And yep. uh, stuck with Boomer parents for six weeks. And I think he means six weeks. Right. Mask, not keep them. Stop talking. You need fight like rooster, not just talk. Ooh. Thank you. Very one, nice. One hung low. And you can Honestly, it's 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 great it's great feedback like that that keeps this show running. It so does. um please if, if you it, could just keep keep sending it up. Um shout out to Wong Hung. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you the man, buddy. Yeah, no doubt. And you know, for all of you that have been just emailing and it's pouring in, Yo, we really appreciate it. The the emails and the, the sponsorships like just get in line if you're if you're looking to sponsor the show. It's it's, it's very right. crowded. So brother Macy and I, well, you know, waiting for for uh, our millennial to get in here today. Started having a few beers, and so, and then we also uh, played shuffleboard. We got competitive, and now we're feeling kind of mean because it was a tough game. Okay, shuffleboard. Who cares? All right. So anyway, looks like you guys got some notes prepared. So um, we do. What what, uh, what what are we gonna be talking about? So some millennials and boomers. It's it's been a hot topic. Uh, I don't even know when it started. Probably a couple of years ago. Um, in the the generational differences uh, between the two. So what do you got, Dad? What 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 did you what did you get there? Well, we're gonna concentrate today on um, uh, differences in parenting styles. I know you guys are recently. Married, and by the way, we have Drew's lovely wife in here, and uh, uh, they're planning somewhere to have a baby, but no baby right now. But we're going to talk about what we know about differences, and actually what we could do, 
as we could talk about, I know you give thought. How are you, how would you raise a child compared to how you were raised? Right. Okay. Okay. So. Well, let's start with how you guys were raised. Macy. Yeah, well, we were uh, raised in an environment I think was pretty typical. Small town, Iowa, of course, which you've been to a lot. Yep. Parents were what I would say laissez-faire, hands-off. All right, kids go out and play. Played outside all day. Uh, always was back home for the meal. And right. the meal was always eaten together as a family. Um, what, did, is, you ever miss, did you ever miss the meal? Uh, very seldom. Uh, you mean when I was a kid? Yeah. Like no. You, nope. Never missed. There was, I think there was always a time you say, hey, be back at, at 6 o'clock. Yeah, you had to be there at 6. Supper served. You eat. And that was true with, with all the kids in the neighborhood. Right. You're right. So this is, this is in western Iowa. I'll go into Iowa just to provide a little bit of context. This, this, correct. Nope. But this yeah. would have, I think this existed, I'm thinking, anywhere you were. That okay. was typical. Unless you were, you know, maybe New York or something and, you know, living in an apartment or something. It might, I'm sure it was a little bit different. But basically that was what was going on. That's the way it was. But we, you know, and we, you know, by letting your kids out. You know, a lot of times we reminisce and we say, remember when it was safe when we could just go out? Yeah. I'm not so certain life was any safer then. Yeah, no. no. Um, I don't know if the number of interestingly enough, and uh, violent crime rates uh, by population have actually decreased since the 70s. Yes. So that, that, that's an interesting statistic. That's true. But, um, that's true. So, yeah, it, you could say maybe it's safer, but I, I, a lot of the data points to that not being the case. Yeah, I think I think what happened after that when your generation was born, I think there was a difference in um, from a parenting standpoint of, about sort of what went on is we did not have meals together as much as we did when we were kids, right? And and that's where I think fast food came in, easy frozen stuff out of the you know craft and. Food like that, companies like that, get their items, throw it on the table, yep. have a quick dinner. And now I really don't know, it's probably too new to tell because the kids that I know that are the next generation, I, I can't talk about exactly how their meals are and that kind of thing and how they get together as a family unit. Well, like your kids, uh, like like Paul and, and Jill, do they, uh, do they cook their meals? Like what, how, how, do they, how does that work nowadays? I think it's all over the board. I think they eat out. They order in a lot. They right. order all their groceries, which I never do. Like, they order them and then have them delivered, or they go pick them up and they somebody's already shopped for them. Very different from what... You know, and, and one other big difference. We usually had one parent at home. Okay. So there was always... Very true. There was always a parent at home where the, the boomers, you know, we were largely uh, dinks. Right or no? Uh, that thinks means no kids, right? Yeah. No dual income families. Gotcha. So that was a big difference. So grandma, wait, uh, grandma and grandpa worked though, right? Uh, they did eventually, but when we were young, uh, as and there was four of us, so they, you know, well, when mom I was, was a kid, a mom time. stayed home the whole time, and that's why I was always her favorite and special. Yeah, and still, still, shout out to Greedo, going to be eighty nine here. Yeah, shout out to Greta. She just she just accused him though of stealing her computer. Yeah, but we won't get into that. Well, it, he did. 
So, um, you're, you're, you're growing up in Iowa. Uh, sounds like you guys kind of, you know, be outside a lot. Uh, wasn't a lot of inside time. I imagine the winners, you guys were probably inside quite a bit, though. Inventing our own games. Yeah. Inventing our own games or going sledding. We sled, yep. you know, we went sledding a lot. We played a lot of games in the snow, even in the winter. What, so, what, what was your what what did uh, your parents? What were they like in terms of like governing what you did, or did they not care? <laughs> uh, I think, like Macy said, we we're they were our parents at least were very laissez faire. I I don't think they knew how we were doing in school until maybe a parent teacher conference. Right, yeah, there was and, little involvement. Um, in terms of them actively looking, did you turn in your homework? Yeah. Were you at your baseball game? Were you, you know, here or there? Just be be at supper at six, and you know, and then you show up, and then of course be at home at a reasonable time, nine o'clock or whatever time you know you had to to be in from playing. But it was, uh, yeah, very different. So I imagine that can go both ways, though, right? Um, you know, if if uh, your parents were very hands off, you guys were in a very safe town, um, probably with decent influences around you. Uh, say you grew up in like Brooklyn and you had a parent that had this, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like, yep. I, th- I think that could go both ways. So um, how is it that that generation, you know, your parents, how did they raise the helicopter parents that are the baby boomers? <laughs> how, do, how, do, how, how, how do you think that evolu- evolution came about? I think we thought. You know, we, we look back, and, and, and somebody told me one time, it's not what you do for your kids, it's your expectations for them. And I think that really rung true, at least in our family. So it was just expected that we would pass, <laughs> you know, in school. Uh, they, our parent, particular parents weren't expecting us to be National Honor Society or anything else. Uh, we, I don't know if we could have or... not but they expected us to do certain things so there was a certain standard i think we just you know held on to and in our case they were the only two in their families to go to college so to brett's point the expectation was that's what you're going to do and there was no real risk of that not happening right so interesting but in terms of the helicopter part that's a really good question i'm not sure exactly i think i think that because you had these expectations, when we had your generation, it was more like, okay, now you really need to do this. Right. And I'm going to make sure yeah. that you do it. And I'm going to make sure that, you know, we get you to school and we get you over here because I need you to be, I want you to be a really good gymnast or violinist or you know, baseball player or whatever. And if, that, if that's not right for you, you can try something else. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and sometimes that kind of built upon each other. You're going to. You're going to, you know, baseball. We had Little League, and there was no complexity to it whatsoever. You got randomly drawn, I think, onto a team, and you you played. We yep. could walk to the games. Yep. Parents weren't there Parents all the time. Parents weren't there, and we didn't care. At least yep. I didn't care that they weren't there. How, how, did, how did your parents compare to, say, like your friends? You know, like uh, – uh, were, were, were they the same? Like, were, were your parents more hands-off? Uh, I think our, I think generally speaking, all the parents were, like, this, our parents were definitely hands-off, but I would say most of our parents' generation was they were out trying to make a living. 
Right. And it was very much. They were poor. We, yeah. We grew up with a lot less money. A lot less money. Yeah. There yeah. was no excesses. There was no cigars and whiskey. I can tell you that. <laughs> yeah. Certainly not good cigars and good whiskey. Yep. We never ate out. Never. No. Well, once a year for mom's birthday. You know, and maybe, and then we would. Well, I think usually annually we would go out, and then we would they order would dress, a pizza. Well, we would. We, yeah. we, we couldn't believe we had a menu in front of us and could order anything. We would just yeah. be wide-eyed. So, so let's talk uh, vacations. What did you guys do in terms of vacations? Uh, was was there a an annual vacation? Like how how, how did they do it? Where'd you go? Our our vacations were um, they were annually. I would say once in the summer we would go camping. And dad had built a camping trailer, which was, you know, um, and, and, and we would go on you know, nothing terribly far. Um, the farthest we went, I believe we went to Ohio, um, and then we went to Colorado as, as kids. We go to Minnesota a lot. We went to, you know, just kind of around there. And, um, and our dad was going to um, graduate school often or, yep. or, or uh, yep. additional add-ons. He was a teacher, so he had to go to, to classes and um, we would usually branch a, a vacation off of that. So we went into Canada. Um, and we actually encamped. It was camping all the time, you know, sitting backwards in the station wagon and going down the interstate. Yeah. You know, I, I actually, when I was a kid, one of my friend's parents had the backwards station wagon. So I, I've actually had a little bit of experience with those. Um, but I just want to give a shout out to my grandpa uh, who, very interesting, interesting, interesting story. I want to uh, provide a little context around the person he was. Uh, grew up in a farm family, was expected, and correct me if I'm wrong, expected to take over the farm duties. Um, expected to be a farmer. Expected to be a farmer, but opted out. Went to college, which at the time, you know, in rural Iowa had to be a really radical decision. But you think about it. He would then go on to marry, you know, grandma, and have four children, um, all of which, you know, I, I think, you know, all four turned out to be very successful. None of them were farmers. So had Grandpa had taken that farmer route, how different would your lives have been? You know, it, it you, ever, a, you ever think about that? Well, it was a Korean War for him. He was a 22-year-old, eighth-grade educated, hired hand. So he had no prospects. You know, you just don't buy a farm, you know, and they had no... There wasn't really any money. So uh, the great thing, one of the shout-outs to the VA, is they had two legislation, legislative things that had some of the biggest impacts in our country ever. One was a GI Bill for all those returning World War II vets, but also our dad, who your grandpa, who... Forgotten War. Yep, who got to go, had that opportunity. And then... Also, the VA home loan, which gave them the ability, because you normally had to inherit or you're renting, the ability to buy a home. So those two things really established, I think, the middle class that we kind of have today. Right. You it, think It you, was much different for him growing up. You think you guys were middle class? Oh, yeah. Yeah, we were middle yeah. class. Yeah, definitely. So it's interesting that a, you know, a math teacher at that time could... could uh, Support four children. A math teacher and a bench and, a, and a nurse. So there was two incomes. Uh, at times. But not, not, at the, times, not the entire not, time. Not the yeah. whole time. But it was, you know, I think, I think the difference, too, was when you look 
like down the street from us, we had a dentist who had a successful practice. Yeah. And we would have called him Rich. Rich. Three, ho- three doors down, you know where the yeah, house is. I know is. exactly where it is. And, and it's like, wow, you wouldn't, if that's rich and middle class, um, things have changed. It was before kind of subdivision. So the, the different socioeconomic strata could live right. on one street. So um, the, the dentist would, would have been upper class. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. and what, 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 how were their lives at that time? Like, how, how were they different? Um, you would have a cabin at Lake Okaboji. Wow, that was that, that must was, have been huge. And a uh, golf membership. You'd be a membership at the country club. Woo! Yeah. yeah, not River Road or was it River no, Road? No, Algona Country Club. Woo, dude, that yeah. must have been nice. So we talked about vacations. We've talked about uh, you know kind of um, what about discipline? How, how did your parents discipline you? And um, you recall any specific? disciplinary lessons that they taught you. Yeah. You, you knew what was right and wrong. And <laughs> when you did the wrong thing, you cool. literally got a whoop. And I mean, a, a corporal punishment. Thing. Yeah. yeah. I, you, dad would take off his belt. This is stuff that would be, you know, you go to jail for now, I think. Yeah, for I, sure. I, yeah. And, and he would take his belt and whack us. Yeah. And so you just knew, and it was just, there was no debate. There was no arguing. It was just accepted. Yeah. And you knew you did something wrong. And because he never did that. He, yeah, Bo- I mean, boundaries were big. You had big. you had a lot of leeway. This wasn't like, oh, you know, you looked at me wrong. This is what we're going to do. And it happened infrequently, but it was frequent enough to remember it. Were they unspoken boundaries or oh, just no. things that they lay down? Like, you don't do this. I came talking about coming home for a meal. I came home late for a, a lunch, what we called dinner. And they, you know, I knew I was late. I was coming back and I was kind of scared. I was probably five, six years old. And coming back, I saw my dad. I go, wow, you know, I can run. A guy his age doesn't run. Parents don't run. So I turned around thinking like, oh, I'm going to be really fast. You were start, six? Probably, probably about six. So I start running thinking like, you know, he can't walk as fast as I can run. And all of a sudden I noticed him gaining speed. And they were thin little belts back in the 60s. And this thing came, <laughs> came whipping out. And I, so I pick it up and I noticed the gap had closed and then you know look back and it closed some more and all of a sudden whack right across you know right across the old behind right across the old behind and so but i knew i did wrong i you know i was supposed to be back and um you know so what else and what what other aspects about your your upbringing that that kind of ring out to you maybe even as like a uh because we're about to transition into you know our upbringing um what what do you think differed the most with you guys being uh, raised as opposed to the way that you raised your own children? What we just talked about, for one. Um, yeah. I don't think that there was the same level of uh, punishment. Um, and, uh, and, and, and there's more, there was, I think, more understanding, <laughs> mm-hmm. in a way. It's almost um, like, a, uh, like, a, like a friendship. As opposed to like, uh, I don't know, like you're in this together. The way yeah, I yeah. Know. I think it, there was probably more. Although the friendship came with our parents later on, but I think as a as a kid, 
the way we raised our kids would be more interesting to talk to you guys and what you, you know, talk to you about that. But from our perspective, or at least from my perspective, it was, um, I had two, we had two boys and, and a girl and the boys got a paddle. The boys were paddled very infrequently, maybe two, three times. But there was also some real stern talk and warnings and blah, blah, blah. Jill. There wasn't a lot I of. Have a double there standard. was no reasoning. There was no reasoning. No. Jill, no. Got, Jill got a pass. Jill got a pass when it came to that kind of punishment, yes. But it almost sounds like Jill was. Uh, <laughs> Jill's punishments, punishments came in the form of her big brother's. <laughs> Uh, that is definitely true. That is definitely true. They did all the corporal punishment. Yes, that's exactly right. And yeah. then I think probably levels of involvement um, also increased. Or no? Oh yeah, we were much more involved than our parents were in our kids in terms of because we had, I guess, more time or more money certainly. Um, than our parents did. And so it was, we were the creator of the helicopter parents and, you know, um, you know, that, that kind of thing where make sure you get here and get there and all that kind sure. of stuff. Would you, would you describe yourself as a helicopter parent? Um, yeah, but not, not a, I would say on a scale of one to 10, 10 being a really big helicopter parents, we were three, but we were still helicopter parents. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Maybe even a two, because I didn't yeah. get involved, overly involved with, oh, can you fix this grade, or how come my kid got a B instead of an A, you know, that kind of stuff. Right. And I would, I would probably even put myself below that. Um, yeah. Showing up at sporting events. Yeah, but you course. still had to get them to places that sure. was. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. You, you, know, had to, you had to bring, yeah, that's true. You had to, we could we grew up in a small town, so we could walk to our practices. But, you know, if we had to play the piano, the practice the piano, this is a practice the piano, they didn't know what heck if we yeah. were playing the same song for the last eight weeks and sounding good at it. Right. Yeah. You know. So but to, you know, go ahead. No, so um, uh, sounds like one of the biggest differences uh, in, you know, this, this wasn't all my friends that experienced this, but it's certainly something I experienced, and I think a lot of millennials – also got this. Um, I know, uh, you know, Macy, I know your kids got this for sure. But experiences, we got a lot of experiences. Uh, you know, our parents, vacations were a big thing with us. Um, you know, I, th- I feel like we'd, we would have our vacations, you know, New Orleans trips. We'd, we'd go to New Orleans to go, vi- to go watch Vikings games. Uh, we'd go to Iowa, you know, to visit our cousins. Uh, the way that we were spread out is, uh, so there was four kids that my grandpa and grandma had, and they ended up in four different time zones. One in Florida, one in Iowa, one in Colorado, and one in California. So those four time zones would all uh, make a pilgrimage every summer back to uh, you know, Central Iowa. Central time. <laughs> which is something that you guys never really experienced. So we, we would always have this thing where every summer, and this is all of our cousins, we would descend on, so we'd come from kind of like our urban areas, you know, like you, you guys, you guys weren't necessarily in, in urban areas in Parker, Colorado, but you, it was definitely way different than Iowa. So it was almost like we would, we, you guys were raising us, and then we would come back to where you guys were raised. 
Yes. So it was, it was a really interesting um, think, aspect of our of our uh, childhood. I I wonder if that's I don't know the answer to this, but I'm guessing that was unique. Very unique. Yeah, I'm not sure that if you if that same thing applied with four kids in four different time zones, they would all get back together. Back that was I think that was sort of unique. That was pretty, which is cool. Which is once once a year, once a year, us big fish got to go be big fish in small ponds in in Algona, and I think that was huge for all of us because. You'd go to Algona, and, you know, you just we, – we'd, we'd play, like, a pickup basketball game or, or whatever at the park with some Algona kids, and they'd be like, yeah, we don't know you. Like, it was so funny. You'd go to the, you'd go to the Call State Park in, Al, in Algona, and everyone would just look at you like, we know you're not from here. You're not from around. <laughs> you're not here. from around here. And when, when they'd hear, like, Taylor – I remember Taylor telling people he was from California, and just seeing people that I was – Face is just like what, <laughs> and uh, they used to have this. I, I remember this very specifically. Every every year we'd go to Campo Gaboji, and they had a contest, and you'd win a prize every year. Who was the furthest person to come to camp this year? And we would always just crush that. Uh, California, Florida, um, and yeah, like when when uh, you know. So it, it it was always interesting. It was, it was kind of funny, like that that was like a built-in vacation. But did you you guys took separate vacations other than just going to Iowa, right? You guys went to like oh yeah, but but the kids remember Iowa because it was so consistent. It was every year, and we did other vacations as well. But that was that was the big one. I right. mean, that was yeah, you only had a you know if you only had a two or three weeks of vacation, and you were going to spend a week with whatever. But you know. We moved a couple of, of times. You were born in Georgia and lived in Iowa and then down in Florida. So there were times when you had complete access to your grandparents and other times that it became, you know, a pilgrimage to get there. Yep. So so vac- vacations were, were pretty big with us. Um, and I don't think they were, they were really all that big with you. Um, and a, a big thing with millennials is uh, it's very well known. It's It's been you know, spelled out in a lot of articles and some people knock it. I think it's great. Uh, millennials value experiences over uh, assets. So, you know, millennials buy houses at a later age. And I think that probably has to do with baby boomers. You know, I, I think baby boomers took their kids on more vacations probably than the previous generation, which probably led to that. You know, you, you I remember uh, mom brought us to, to Washington, D.C., um, you know, going to New Orleans, like how cool was that? You know, I was probably 13 years old, and I saw my first naked woman getting getting ready for a show in an alley. <laughs> I remember just being like, "Whoa, okay, that's uh, that's different." <laughs> you know, what I'm saying just like like uh, just random experiences like that that you brought you guys probably never actually encountered. We never saw a naked woman on our vacations. Oh. Nope, except nope. that. Oh, Macy one. was slow with the nope. I don't know. Oh, I was trying to think. <laughs> Some of those KOA campgrounds, they kind of <laughs> got weird. Did we really go to KOA? Was that a no, thing? We were just at campgrounds, but it wasn't KOA. It, it was, was too expensive. Oh, yeah. Way too expensive. We, but when we would travel, we, we had a camper guide. That's all we could do is camp. So we would look at it as we're going into an area, and we learned how to read all of their, you know, this one has swimming, which was always highest on our priority. You know, and we would look at activities that we could do at any given campground, and that's where we would try and go. You know, Cruiser, you had a good segue into when you were talking about experiences and when you got out and you and you wanted to 
millennials wanted to do that. Um, when we were coming, when we got out of high school, and you know, you're expected in our case to go to college, but that wasn't necessarily everybody's case. But you're out to make a living. Your goal is to go find a job right. because that's the way we don't. You aren't here to travel the world. You aren't here to um, have those. If the, you can get those experiences, fine. But you're here to go get a job and make a living. You know what sure. I mean? The expectation yep. was different, which, by the way, I've learned from your generation about the importance of experiences. I think it's just coming later in life, like in our case. Mm. Yeah. yeah, you guys are trying to live your retirement when you were twenty, yeah, but isn't that doesn't that make more doesn't doesn't that make more sense? It does um, from it does. your knees hurting. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, I think uh, that's kind of what millennials maybe have discovered is that I don't want to do this shit when I'm seventy. You know what I'm saying? Um, I, I want to do this when I'm twenty five uh, and single. Um, so I, I see all the negatives, and I get I get it. I, trust me, I have friends that are so in debt you wouldn't even believe it. Um, and because they did experiences, you know, a lot of my friends, uh, uh, went and studied abroad, for instance, super expensive, um, and probably impractical if you really think about it. I mean, what, what, what are you really getting there other than the experience? You know, are, are, are you really getting a better education if you go and study in Italy for a summer? Probably not, but you have that experience now in Italy for the rest of your life. Um, but you. I mean, Dad, you had some experiences when you were younger. You were a foreign exchange student in Italy. Sure. <laughs> no, I was a foreign exchange. Yeah, which, you know, but you know, that was great. So how, was did, great. how did that come about? Like, what, 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 uh, what led you to that? Did did uh, your parents inspire you to do that, or how did that happen? We had foreign exchange students, uh, a foreign exchange student at that time in our house, a guy from Peru, and I used to think like, I was just he was four years older than me, but I would look at him and go like wow, what's that like to leave your family and go live in some other country for a year mm-hmm. and everything else? So, you know, I kept that in mind, and we kind of stayed active. This was the American Field Service, AFS. And so I got that time, and I thought I had a snowball's chance in hell because I was a good, solid C student, so I wasn't exactly the thing you wanted to share. Your country wanted to share with others. <laughs> but... <laughs> But, you know, a big part of it was just, like, personality. And so I went through these series of interviews. I don't think they looked at my GPA. And next thing I knew, uh, you know, I went to Italy. This so, was a great experience. Um, Which I highly recommend for your generations. you're looking at kids. I tried to encourage you guys a little bit. Hey, why don't you consider this? You know, go overseas. Yeah. And, you know, I think... Uh, uh, Carson's big. been to Africa. You know, it's, th- yeah. we definitely have been somewhat worldly. Um, I certainly have not taken the millennial route that yeah. a lot of, yeah. a lot of uh, you know, I, I did just go to college right from high school. Um, but in terms of childhood, I got to tell you, my, I, my childhood was very similar to you guys. And I'll, I'll say that my parents definitely took on a laissez-faire approach you guys were not helicopter parents by any means um but all my friends had helicopter parents <laughs> i can't i i'd be hard pressed to name a, a friend of mine that didn't have helicopter parents um and i just i, I find it so fascinating this uh it, it's almost like a hatred or, or like not a hatred that's, that's a bad word um but like a resentment 
of millennials by baby boomers. And the irony is, of course, that you created us. Right. Um, That's kind of why we're here. Yeah. No, 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 exactly. Yeah. Exactly. In fact, I want to, you know, if we could, I don't know if we've covered all assets, uh, facets of how we, you know, raised you, our opinion. But if let's, let's talk about how you're seeing, you've, you've got a lot of close friends with, kids now yep uh they're all pretty young which is average for <laughs> you guys are having kids a lot later um not many of my friends have kids by the way very few of my friends have kids but two of your closest friends and by the right. way shout out to kyle and claudia who just had their baby last night oh wow Rad. yes good for them. Uh, just saw a picture of her this morning can't wait to go and bite that baby looks very biteable kyle oh boy or girl Girl. Oh, girl. Precious. Okay. Oh, my gosh. So they had, they had an at-home birth. Uh, very, very interesting. But, uh, yeah, can't, can't wait to. Uh, but, yeah, so the babies are, are, are just now coming out. And I'm 32. Majority of my friends mm-hmm. are, are in their 30s. And they're just now having kids. Uh, one of my best friends, Trevor, uh, her, his daughter just turned one. Um, Kyle and Claudia just had a baby. Uh, one of my best friends, Tony, has a baby who's just over one. There is, I don't have a single friend that has a baby that's, well, actually, Alex has a baby that's, what, probably three now. So, that, that, that's the oldest. So, that, I mean, that we're talking 29 years old. Right. And, 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 and when did you guys? I well, mean, uh, the average age for our generation was 22.6 years. Yeah. And it's your insane. generation is approaching 27. So, basically, you're going to be a really old grandpa. Right. I'm, I'm cool with that. Yeah, I'm cool with that. Let's um, let's go through some of these things. Oh, this is the things I found out, and and you guys don't have a lot of history yet with kids, but you tell me if these sound right. Millennials are documenting their kids' lives on social media. Yes, one hundred percent. My sister already has a uh, a Facebook. We we talked about this a lot. Uh, me and her. Uh, we think it's a good. We think it's a. It's an interesting idea to create a Facebook and an email for your kid, and then just to pass it on to them and say, "Okay, this is yours now." Um, so Margot already has a Facebook. So I just shit post on Margot's Facebook. So sh- so years from now, she's gonna be able to open up this Facebook and see her crazy Uncle Drew at age thirty, just shit posting all over her Facebook, just dumb things. And I, I, you know, you gotta you gotta admit that's an interesting difference. Have you ever seen the meme where it says, um, uh, my grandma, my, my grandma, and it's like this black and white photo, like very, very like uh, official photo of like this, this woman, kind of like Esther right behind you. Like that's, that's your great grandma. Uh, yeah, right. Now fast forward 60 years and uh, <laughs> like uh, Ellery and uh, little baby boy. They're going to be able to go onto Jill's Facebook and see pictures of Jill when she was going to Texas State. You know what I'm saying? Like right. that's that's so funny. You they they're going to have access into our lives that you guys never had um, because of social media. So that's going to be a really interesting thing to watch because you think about social media it really only blew up in 2008. So we're we're gonna we're seeing this going forward, and we really haven't even seen it because the oldest kid that would have seen that is like 12 now, right? So, you know, you, you probably won't even have the uh, intelligence to grasp or to, like, respect or 
you know, kind of look at that and be like, wow, that's crazy. Mom was a college kid at one time. You'll never have that insight into your parents, which I think is really interesting. Here's something interesting. The New York Times did an uh, article on this, and they said that um, one, one parent that they're interviewing about social media presence for their kid said that she only takes pictures from behind her kid. Never shows a face because she doesn't want her kid to become a meme. <laughs> That's stupid. Well, you know, I guess that's the worst thing that could happen, right? You get some weird picture, and then all of a sudden it's just copied. Okay, here's one. Millennials are relatively confident in their parenting skills. Confident in their parenting skills, yes, for sure. But were you guys not? I, th- I think the difference is that, um, oh, I think we were. Yeah. I think, I think the difference is that we were more, um, we didn't read about how to parent as much. No. I think there's more access to information now with Googling, you know, why does my daughter do this or she does this or my son does this and how do I fix that? We had Dr. Spock. We didn't have it. Yeah, we had Dr. Spock. That That's was right. the only source That's of information. Right. But here's, here's what a Pew Research Center found, that 57% of millennial moms say they're going to be a very good job as a parent compared to 48% of Gen X and 41% of baby boomers. Interesting. And interestingly to that, fathers in all age groups rated themselves a much lower than the moms. I wonder if part of that is because the boomers were so young when they had the kids. So, could be, yeah, so in sure. other words, you don't, yeah. you know, there's a big difference yep. between being 22 and being 30. Very good point. Great point. Very good point. Yeah. So, so may, maybe, you know, it's like you're we're, we're older. We're going into it at an older age, so... Uh, we are more mature. Um, I try to picture, like, you guys were having kids when you're in their early 20s. I try and envision myself in my early 20s having a having a kid. We had three just, kids before I was 30. I can't, yes. That, see, that that blows my mind. I, I just, it really does. I, I, I can't even, I can't even envision it. Like, me and Jackie are like, eh, maybe October. We're, we're 32. <laughs> well, your sister, your sister had a baby at 26 right so one thing that i think happens is and i would call her a little egocentric right i mean she she was the center of her own universe until that happened and when that happens you know all of a sudden so i think that might have an effect downstream you guys had a chance to establish you know a lot of more uh hey this is for us this is our time whatever Mm -hmm. and we didn't probably have that, so that'll be. I can tell you something. Something Margot's going to have that no other kid have. Where by the time she comes into age and starts using social media, she'll already know the exact Instagram filter that brings out her face the best. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and a lot of people don't have an Uncle Drew either. No. Exactly. Hey, I, I got I got one that okay. I notice when I um, stay at, like when I would stay at Jill's house when they lived in St. Louis or when I go to uh when Jill's uh, his daughter. Yeah, Jill's my daughter. Um we would um when you get in the shower, there's never bars of soap anymore. You notice that? Yeah. What do you use bars of soap or do you use the nope. body they're destroying body wash. they're destroying soap. They are destroying soap. You're yeah. destroying beer. Yeah, so let's um, let's talk about things we've destroyed. <laughs> He's got a whole. He's got a whole laundry list. Yeah, well, no. Let's go through them. Soda, soda. I don't. We don't drink soda. 
Not at all. Okay. I mean, I occasionally will have a Diet Coke. That's it. So, so Nancy's sitting over here, Brett's wife, wonderful, wonderful cook. Um, destroying home cooking. Uh, we, we, we cook at home a lot, but it's definitely like 50-50. 50-50, we just cooked out last night. So let me let me let me explain something too. A interesting dynamic. You guys. No, no want... we didn't. <laughs> we went out to rush on last night. Sorry. You, <laughs> yeah. Right. You, but listen, you. He, bought, he does remember that one time they cooked at home though. Mm -hmm. They they bought a Two house. Nights ago. They bought a house, which is a whole whole other thing. You know, millennials are destroying starter homes. So you guys jump in, perhaps a little later than we do, but you, then you buy big. So you buy in a hit. It, 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 the historic Kenwood areas. You guys are into being downtown, which yeah, Macy and I were talking earlier. We understand. Okay, but your house has a kitchen like a postage stamp. Mm -hmm. And then you guys talk about remodeling. Of course, Macy and I go, God, ah, first thing I do is do that kitchen. No way. Yeah. It's impractical. It's, but, you know, it's what, you know, how do you cook in here? You know. You don't. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's Drew's wife back. There. We should have mic'd you up. You could have helped defend. No, we the we homeboys. we actually do cook a lot. Uh, we 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 probably cook more than our contemporaries, to be honest. Um, I don't think the reason that we 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 don't cook has anything to do with us not wanting to cook. It has more to do with our busy schedules. We're never home. We're never home. We travel. We both travel a lot, and and so I think that's changed probably as well. Uh, your parents, you know, and uh, I guarantee you, travel schedules among occupations have changed dramatically. Uh, people definitely travel nowadays oh, yeah. more than they ever did. You're like yeah. your your parents, for instance. I mean, if I have this same job when we have a kid, I'll leave on a Tuesday and probably won't be back until a Friday. That's something. That's something very unique, you know. And 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 we're we're already talking about me adjusting my occupation so that that's not the case anymore when we have kids. But a lot of parents are like that, where they do travel for the majority of the week. Um, travel has become uh, very big in different occupations, uh, probably way larger than it ever was in your generation. So that's another difference, you know, that we could say. Uh, and and we're, we're not even talking about um, uh, baby boomers probably also traveled more. So I think that our generation millennials are traveling even more. It, it keeps stepping up. So that'll that'll be interesting. But what, what what else what else have we ruined? Yeah, what are, what's else on your list there? That well, they've ruined they've ruined cereal. Cereal, well, yeah. yeah. Cereal sales are we don't, way down. We don't need cereal. You know, but here's the reason why: it's too big of a mess to clean up when you're done. <laughs> Is there anything Honest easier than cereal? I didn't think so. It sticks to the bowl. Okay, they've also just they're destroying something that's very near and dear to my heart, which is golf. Golf, oh, yeah, yeah. What's with um, that? Yeah, I think I think a lot of that though was because the numbers are a little bit skewed because you had Tiger Woods coming out arguably. Well, I don't even think it's arguable anymore. The greatest golfer of all time of all time, but but certainly the most transformative uh, person yep. for the sport, right? Golf courses were going up like crazy in 2000, 2001. When he was winning big, he's in his prime. You know, he's the hottest thing ever. And I think they may have overbuilt, but you had that sort of generation who would have been 20 years old at that time starting to play a lot of golf, and they probably, you know, continue to do that. But that – so so in some ways, 
the golf numbers have come down because he's backed off a little bit. You know what I mean? And they probably overbuilt courses and things like that. But they absolutely overbuilt. Yeah. Um, and there, you know, there, there, there's other factors that I think you could say are leading to golf courses, you know, decline, especially in Florida, real estate. You know, you got these massive uh, swaths of land that that they uh, dedicate to these golf courses. Florida is expanding at a rapid rate. I think I read that over a hundred thousand people moved to the Tampa Bay, and we're talking the greater Tampa Bay area. We're talking Lakeland, you know, all this. 100,000 people a year moved to, moved to that area. That's insane. That's a, that is a large amount of people. Um, and that's just one area of Florida. So Florida, you know, the golf capital of the world, we've seen over the last seven years some of the greatest golf courses that I never thought would fail all of a sudden failing. Like when you heard Bardmore, for instance, was still there. Still there, but talking. We're talking. We're in talks to sell to build up condos. A lot of people would be like, "Man, that's crazy!" But you know, population needs exist, um, and as the population grows, you know, people need houses. So it, it it makes sense to me in a lot of ways. I I read something that was <clears throat> interesting from a kind of what a millennial does today. This is just a um. This I read this in the New York Times or something, but it was basically um, a millennial wakes up and they went to sleep on their Casper mattress. You know what that is? Yeah, I do. Okay. You can get it delivered to you in the mail. There you go. Yep. After they wake up, they get on their Peloton yep. bike. We got, we got one of those. You got a Peloton. Then they Uber to work we probably- and they go to WeWork. Are you familiar with WeWork? WeWork is just a like a, a company that created sort of those... Workspaces? Yeah, workspaces. Sure. Okay. And they're real, you know, they're really hip cool. and cool. It and, makes sense. There might be a ping pong table in them. And then they order from DoorDash for lunch. Yeah. And then they take a lift home, a, you know, lift ride home. And then they get dinner through Postmates. Okay? What's the Postmates? I don't even know what that is. So- Postmates is door. It's, okay. it's weird that they use DoorDash and Postmates. They're just okay. the same thing. They're, they're both delivery food services. But yeah. anyway, here, here's, here's something to ponder. Those companies lost $18 billion last year. <laughs> Not one of them is profitable. And you wonder. You're talking about delivery services? Everything. Yeah. Everything I said. Peloton, Casper mattresses, uh, all the DoorDash, Grubhub, all that stuff. Peloton um, isn't profitable? No. Nope. Interesting. There was a big lawsuit. Nope. And, and so there is, all of these companies are unsustainable. Now, things will change, certainly. I mean, they, you know, efficiencies and economies of scale and everybody, you know. Yeah, there's a a lot of companies are unsustainable. Like, you could even argue Netflix is completely unsustainable. They, all the, all they do is take on debt. Uh, If, if you look at uh, Netflix's balance, balance sheet, they are, they, just constantly accumulate debt. And the assumption is that someone's going to come in and buy them out, but they are spending way more than they're making every year. So what, what, what does that have to say about millennials? And like, what are your thoughts on that? There's a lot of companies out there that are like that. Well, I mean, I think, I think the thing is, is just like any capitalistic country, right? You have a company that wants to, uh, certainly appeal to the millennial, which is the largest generation. I mean, l- most number of people, right? They're outnumber baby boomers. Sure. And every other generation. 
And so there's this sort of creative destruction that takes place where you have, um, I just mentioned company before, Kraft, making, you know, I don't know if they make Velveeta cheese or, you know, they make processed stuff, which is not selling well, right? Um, my mom would eat that stuff. Um, we don't even eat that stuff anymore. But there are companies like that um, that are dying. And what's going to, I don't know that Grubhub's going to take its place by, from a delivery standpoint. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so there's, there's just a change in what's happening. But, I'm, but it's kind of weird to think and, and to ponder the fact that the things that are so hot now aren't making any money. Now, right. Facebook was, wasn't making money either for a while. Now, they're doing pretty well. Yeah. So. Interesting. So what? So you always hear about the things we're, we're ruining. Um, a lot of them are just terrible things. We, we talked about it with Don when he was on the cast, like Applebee's. We're ruining Applebee's. Well, that's not terrible. Diamonds. Diamonds. We, we, we're we're ruining probably, diamonds. That's probably a good thing from what I know about. You're ruining, you're ruining, um, perhaps ruining um, the, the car business. F- well, no, you're not ruining that. That's not fair to say. It's just a different thing. The values yeah. placed on a car for your generation are Nothing. so much lower than no, what so, ours were. So me being in the car business, I can tell you um, it's not us that's ruining no, it. it. No, I agree. Y- you know what's ruining it is the internet. <laughs> the, the, this access to value um, – the fact that I can go on yes. and, and look exactly how much a car depreciates. Uh, I can tell you exactly what the most valuable car is, like what, what car holds its value the best. In fact, when we bought our car, uh, we went with the Toyota Tacoma. Why did we do that? Because it, it, is the, it was ranked as the second um, car out there behind only the Jeep Wrangler to hold its value um, among any other car brand. So... The access to information, I think, has has ruined a lot of things. You know, um, Applebee's being on like dirty dining lists. You know, remember dirty dining lists that sure. came up for like mm-hmm. four, fifteen years ago, and then all these restaurants that were thriving for so many years were just getting trashed. Like, man, this restaurant that you always thought was good is actually really poor at running their business. So, I think the access of information may have contributed to this more than the actual generation itself. Very true. Here and getting back to kids, okay. Millennials are getting creative with their kids' names. Mm-hmm. Would you agree with that? Oh my gosh! Yeah, we. I mean, geez. Well, let's 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 look at uh at uh your own kids. You know, we got Margot, your granddaughter. Very mm-hmm. very unique name. Uh, Ellery, extremely unique. Asher, extreme. Very, very unique. One of the 12 tribes of Israel, by the way. Yeah. Clyde, Felicity, um, uh, Warren. These are all very, very. Those are retro names, though. That's kind of. Yeah, but they're they're, they're unique. If if you look at them them from a respect. Jaden. Exactly. You look at them from a percentage perspective. I think it's the Michaels, the the Kevins, the world are, are dying out. Probably for good reason. Where are all the Macy's anyway? <laughs> now, this is interesting. 20% of millennial parents said they changed or considered changing their baby names based on available of domain names. Whoa. That's, that's, where'd you get that? Where'd, where'd that uh, what's the source that? Is that is from the New York Post. Interesting. Well, New York Post is trash. trash oh. 
<laughs> I'm just joking. No, I'm, I'm sure it's true. But no, we, me, me and Jackie talk all the time. We, we don't want our kid to have a, we don't want our kid to be named Kyle. You know what I'm saying? Like, no. But would you consider retro names? But I mean, obviously, yeah. that, that list of names, Ash, sure. goes back about as far we as you can go. No, we the names that we're considering are very are very old fashioned. Yeah. Would you consider Esther? No. no. What What about Macy? Yeah, I I I I've I've always loved the name Macy. I actually I actually love all the names, uh, except for pro- Chris is pretty. It's yeah. but they named it Chris with a K, so that that is kind of interesting. But your parents actually were pretty unique with their name choices, wouldn't you agree? Yes. Yeah. How many Definitely. Macy's do you know? I've never met another male Macy in my life. Yeah, never right. male. That's, Sp- that's true. Spelled the same way anyway. Right. So, uh, Refinery29, this is the source of this, reported that some millennial parents are naming their kids after Ikea furniture. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I don't even... Maybe not a response to that. Is that where they were conceived? <laughs> yeah. I don't, it could be. And it says, another recent trend involves millennial women who, after taking their husband's name, like you did, okay, uh, well, give their child their maiden name as a first name. I don't well, think that's going to happen no, for that's you. that's stupid. I mean, my mom's maiden name is my middle name. Yeah. Okay. But, uh... Yeah. We should we should have we should have mic'd up Jack. Yeah, we should have. You know, yeah. you know, my mom's maiden name is my middle name too. True, true. That that's that's a good so. point. You just hurt your own point. There. And my middle name is is uh, my actual father, who is our milkman, Sinclair. Right. And uh, in fact, this is you know I, I told you guys at the beginning we needed to uh, mix this up just a little bit from our earlier podcast. And Drew, I have to announce that. Uncle Macy is actually your father. Oh, man. I knew it. <laughs> okay. I knew it. But what, what else you got? I'm very what, proud. What else are we ruining? What, what, what else you got in that? You're ruining the razor business. Yeah, ra- that's that's weird. Why is that? <clears throat> You're do, ordering do, from these, uh, you know, Macy's razors and getting them once a month. Oh, yeah. So we're, bucks. We're, we're, we're ruining like Gillette. You Correct. know what I'm saying? Yeah. Correct. We actually got one of those boxes today. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I know Paul uses this, does the same thing. So I still go to Costco and spend uh, 130 bucks on my uh, 25 Gillette razors, but I really Which like lasts them. you forever. That's true. And yeah. I go to Costco too, those things. Yeah, that's, a, that's a, over a year of supply. So that's why I questioned all the little weekly razor companies. Yeah. First of all, they're, they're not very good. No, they're terrible. They're really good. After you have a good Gillette fusion, why would you? Nope. Or a Mach 3. Or I'm, I, I'm a chick. Uh, Guy and dude, I I'll never go away from it. I, oh, oh shit! Yeah, Quattro, like the the oh. uh, yeah, I, lo- I love shit. Yeah, but see the, <clears throat> the difference here, Cruiser, is that I have to shave my head. Yeah, yep. So I look for the finest in quality. I'm not going to take for something sure cheap. Absolutely. So what? What do you? My head's way too important. Gillette. Yeah, the Gillette. Uh, what do you call it? Fusion. Blah you, blah blah. You, so you know Gillette and Schick, they both have responded to the, you know, the, the Dollar Shave Club, I think, is the one that we're, we're talking about, yep. which is shake, shaking or, it up. Or Harvey Harry's. 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 Yeah, so, you know, Gillette and Schick both now have that as well, where you, you can order it. Um, that is just an evolution. That, that, that's, that's just a capitalistic change in the industry, where people are like, you know what, I don't want to go to Costco and buy my razors. I want them to come to my door. You know what I'm saying? The, the convenience factor of ordering things... See, a lot of the differences 
I think, that are attributed to millennials, I think actually aren't even just specific to millennials. I think that they're just specific to where the industries have right. evolved. Yeah, you're right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, like you, you think about all, all these things, and they say millennials are doing this. Well, you know, I don't think they are. Uh, Gillette is responded by, by, by doing, like, monthly deliveries. Um, I'll bet a lot of baby boomers do that. So I think that a lot of, the, you know, I think there's just kind of a confusion. I, well, I think that there's, there's just change going on, and they're just like, ah, that has to do with millennials. So, so, well, I think you're killing um, motorcycles. Yeah. Oh, that's a big one. Good. Boy, the Harley dream is the dying. Harley, they're trying to figure out everything that came out with electric motorcycle. Well, people mm-hmm. die. Totally. Well, true. But that's why we have all these warnings on stuff, it. right? Because <laughs> people die. It's yeah. almost like people want to die less. <laughs> it's like a. No, I mean, do you at one time back in California were thinking about getting a Ducati? And I got to admit, I thought like, well, I had a motorcycle, you know, motorcycling at the time. I thought that's pretty cool. But at the same time, I was thinking California on a motorcycle and a Ducati would have probably, especially with your um, injury history, might not have ended well. No, to be honest, I had a a client who's down in Miami and uh, he, he, he told, he told me about all the pain that he's in about, just this one accident they got in, and that turned me off completely. <laughs> I was back in, because when I came to Florida, that's when I was going to buy my motorcycle, remember? I was back in 2016, and then I talked to this guy, and I was just like, ooh. He's like. That's exactly why I never owned one. <laughs> Same no, thing. For, just scared. For sure. All those are part of you that wanted one. Oh, yeah. I definitely wanted one. The other thing you've destroyed, not you personally, of course. Um, the nap, did. The napkin business. Yeah. It's all paper towels. Do you ever sure. buy? We you, never buy napkins. Yeah. <clears throat> never, never buy, never buy napkins. Never. So if you had us over for like the nicest meal you've ever made, and you were just looking forward to this for weeks, so I would sit down and you would have your finest china, maybe you wouldn't, um, your steak knives because you're gonna have a big old steak, and I got a paper towel sitting there. Yeah. <laughs> would, who cares? Would, would you have? Would you, would you ever have cloth napkins? Do you have any cloth napkins? No. You even no. own one cloth napkin. No. Wow, interesting. I mean, that you know that and that's actually interesting because it's like you know millennials are more environmentally conscious and cloth napkins are definitely more environmentally friendly. Uh, what? But what? What is the thing that we've destroyed? Well, let me ask you guys a question. What is the thing that we've destroyed that it upsets you guys the most? Or what? What? What do you think it, that we've destroyed that actually shouldn't have been destroyed? I should say. Oh well, yeah. If you want, you want my personal opinion. It would be the fact that you know, and this comes. This gets back to raising kids. Millennials are raising less religious children, mm-hmm. and that would that would you know that does bother me a little bit. That's kind of the way we were raised, but yeah, that that <clears throat> uh, that definitely bothers me because there's not. We would view it as maybe not the same. And I, I don't want to get into a whole religious conversation here, but but the same, um, I don't know, the, the same, the same sense of of right and wrong, and um, and 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 the sense that you have faith in a, you know, in a greater in a, power, in a greater power. So, my opinion on that, and me and Jackie have actually talked about this a lot. You know how we're going to raise our kids, which is first of all. Right and wrong is not grounded in religion. 
there is a lot of uh, right and wrong, right and wrong lessons that you can learn from religion, undoubtedly. But like the Ten this, Commandments, for, well, the Ten Commandments are written in all men's hearts yeah. yep. from Genesis. So that means that everybody pretty much respects. But that. right, right and wrong is not exclusive to religion. To to to, to understand the difference between right and wrong, you do not need religion. Um, I some some of the, some of the best people that I know are, I wouldn't even call them atheists, maybe, you know, agnostic. Uh, I don't think that you have to be religious to understand right and wrong. And what me and Jackie have talked about very frequently is what we're going to do with our kids is our kids are will go to church. Uh, they'll, they'll go to Sunday school. But when they ask us about things, we're not going to say to them, this is how it is. We're going to ask them, what, what do you think? What do you believe? What, what, do, what, do, you, what do you believe? Um, this, is, this, is, this is what, you know, they're, this is what this, this scripture that was written thousands of years ago says. Uh, there's a lot of good to take out of this, but what do you think? Let's talk about it. So in, rather than just kind of saying, you're this way, we're, we're going to expose them to it and, 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 then, and, then, and then allow them to make their own choice. And if they said, Dad, I believe in the spaghetti monster, what would you say? Well, it, isn't that religion? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, that, is, that's I'm what they believe in, I guess. Huh? So then we go, well, that's cool. Sure. I mean, that, okay. from, from, from the opposite side of that, uh, a lot of people, the, the spaghetti monster, it's, it's ironic that you mentioned that, but that, that's kind of like the knock or like the, uh, the thing that a lot of atheists say, like, oh, you know, blah, 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 spaghetti monster. But yeah, it, it, the concept of faith, faith is very much like that. Like, you believe in a spaghetti monster in the sky. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's, it's not radical for somebody to come up and say that. Um, and, yeah, who are you to say, like, I don't know. It's, it, my, my, my point is, allow them to make their own choice. Expose them to it and then discuss it with them, and, but allow them to make their own choice. I think, I think let's, let's kind of, well, there's one other thing here that just I thought was very funny. So one other thing that you're, uh, the millennials are killing is fabric softener. <laughs> so Not us. We love no, it. No, listen to this. Do you use fabric I, softener? I'm okay. going to read this. This is from the Wall Street Journal. Sales of fabric softeners fell 15% in the United States from 2007 to 2015. Market leader Downey fell 26% in the same period. According to Downey maker Procter & Gamble's head of global fabric care, millennials, quote, don't even know what the product is for. <laughs> <laughs> no, it makes your clothes smell better. And, uh, yeah, no, we love fabric software. We use the hell out of it. Okay, well, you you don't fit the typical millennial. But no, we don't. We don't. I don't self-identify as a millennial. <laughs> no, this is, there, here's one. Millennials' parents, you know, possessive form millennials' parents, aren't always so hands-on with their grandkids. This is a 2016 New York Times article described a group of younger baby boomers and older Gen Xers who are caught between living their own lives and helping out with their grandkids. Okay. In fact, the 2013 survey by grandparents.com found that 65% of respondents agreed with the statement, I love being a part of my grandchild's life but it's not the center 
of my life. Interesting. Hmm. It's very interesting. I think you guys would probably well, disagree. It, 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 I it, think I, yeah. Yeah, well, yeah. I, 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 is it the center, though? I mean, we, I, it, I, I think, think it, it is the for center for us, <laughs> and we're blessed that way. I don't view that as a bad thing. I mean, yeah. we've, yeah. Got, uh-huh. we've got five grandkids within, you know, in our same neighborhood. But so. you're in Gosh, Florida. So awesome. You're in Florida for a month. Yep. Well, you do need a break now and then. <laughs> <laughs> no, I would... Uh, <laughs> Um, one thing, one thing that I would say that I hear from people in our generation, especially at work, Drew, and at, um, you know, people in the workplace and boomers in general, when they talk about millennials is a sense of entitlement. Yeah. And, and that probably is the number one thing. I don't, I mean, personally, I don't see it as much, um, but I do, I do see it. But I, um, I think that that is one of the complaints that I will hear. And, you know, you've seen the little, bo- yep. the little videos on the, the, the millennial interviewing for a job and that kind of stuff. Right, right. So. But, you know, we dispersed. It, the baby boomers dispersed more than our, our parents had as far as our family. So we did not have grandparents typically True. nearby. And all of a sudden, you know, but... Um, uh, so that, that makes a big difference, and I'm not saying yeah, that's probably a generality. It could be exist that millennials are going to have their grandparents nearby, and it's going to be, you know, I don't know how that's actually working. But here's something interesting. It said, that said, grandparents aren't necessarily holding back financially. And USA Today reported uh, on an Ameritrade survey that found that millennial parents said they received an average, and I think you're going to agree with this, of $11,000 in the past year, in the past year in financial support and unpaid labor from their parents. Wow. $11,000. Well, I don't think I got a nickel from my dad. Uh, no, no, no. But, but uh, this is unpaid labor. You, you oh, I got up, a lot of unpaid labor. Yeah. Yep. You got Dave. Yep. Dave's at <laughs> least 11,000. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Dave's practically like our in-home contractor. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it's, uh, we did not have that. I mean, uh, I think our dad would. Well, in fairness, stuff. our parents didn't have the economic means to do it, but it was no. more. Unpaid maybe, labor part they did. Well, the unpaid labor part they did, yeah. yeah. But, yeah, very different. Sure. Well, hey, we're we're an hour and ten minutes. Yeah, let's let's wrap this up. So let's talk let's talk about the whiskey, Claude Mace. Um, so Macy, we always start with our guests. Uh, so talk about talk about the whiskey, uh, talk about the cigar, and uh, give us your thoughts. Well, first of all, I'm Type A, and I'm very impatient, and I'm the fastest cigar smoker in the West. Brett can attest to that. Pretty close. So mine's been done for a while, and I had to relit the right end, too. Um, I think the cigar was awesome after I actually smoked out of the right end. Um, I think. (laughs) Oh, did you reverse it? Yeah. Oh, I changed it. I cut it, and then I switched it around, which is, I've never seen a cigar shaped like that. It is bizarre. um, And then uh, in terms of the whiskey, I liked it. Um, I thought it was, um, I thought it was smooth. I, 
I thought it was uh, in, it, you know enjoyable. It didn't it didn't have a big kick. It wasn't uh, yeah. You know, it didn't like wow me at the end. You know, with uh, you know, I I, com- I compare them to like a Bud Light to an IPA, right? Yeah. And there was no IPA in that one. Nope. If that makes sense, it was more like a Bud Light to me. The Clyde Mays. Yeah, the Clyde Mays. Clyde Mays Alabama style whiskey. By the way, that's where yep. Agreed. Uh, the the uh, Dreams of Cuba cigar, phenomenal. Always. Oh, the cigar was great. Um, all these cigars are rolled by the same guy who we're eventually going to have the podcast. We say it on every podcast. Eventually got to come out. Uh, the Clyde Mays, I agree. Very forgettable, to be honest. Um, yeah. I'll tell you, uh, very smooth. So if you're just looking to just have a drink, you know, you're not looking for any edge, I think that the Clyde Mays is definitely up your alley. Um, it's so smooth, it's forgettable. Uh, I said in another podcast, it's, it's like that guy that comes to your to your party, and um, he doesn't really contribute anything, but he doesn't really take away anything. You know what I'm saying? Like, he, hey, was he there? Yeah, exactly. Like you, you're kind of like you remember Craig from your Super Bowl party last year, and you're like, uh, who is Craig? He's like, he was that guy that came in and didn't really do anything. Uh, that's that's my that's Clyde May for me. Um, okay. So yeah, I, I would I would. This is on the lower level for, for whiskeys for me. I, I'd put it there, too. There was nothing that really jumped out at me. By the way, I and I had it straight like we all did. I added a cube, and uh, yeah, it just didn't. I mean. I'm nothing fr- spectacular. Clyde, Clyde Mays Alabama-style whiskey is just not going to stick with me. You know, Kind of like Alabama. I think if they changed <laughs> one thing on this whiskey, if they changed it to Clyde Meyer, I think it would do yes, really, really well. Yes, 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 yes. Good yes. point. Yep. Very good point. Yep, yep. Okay. This is the Boomer Millennial Divide from Esther's Longhouse. Macy, thank you for coming. Good to be here. Thanks. It was an interesting topic. We're going to keep, you know, if you listen in on this and, you know, we're going to keep changing it up. We've got to figure out our, our sweet spot. And I think today was very interesting. Yeah. A little more good. factual. It's factual and, and good. I liked it a lot. Um, and if you have any feedback for the cast, uh, if you want us to explore any topics, uh, please comment on our Facebook page. We also have a uh, email account. Uh, boomer millennial divide at gmail.com uh, please send us your uh, kind of like our friend out in the orient right one hung low thank you man uh, you can just go right on facebook with those comments rather than uh, emailing us all right everybody goodbye